0: Okay, hey, welcome to the Cloud Native show presented by Rackner. My name is Alex Rowell, and I'm here with Jared Broad, uh, who is the founder and CEO of QuantConnect. How are you?
1: Hi Alex, great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. So I'm very interested in QuantConnect. Um, why don't you for the audience explain what is QuantConnect and what do you do? What are you in the business of doing?
1: Connect is a global community of engineers, scientists, mathematicians who are writing algorithms, writing code in a web browser, and uh, are able to test those ideas on historical financial data. So we've built this enormous algorithm playground where you can write in Python or C sharp and uh, run these simulations back tests in um, our cloud and then see how those algorithms would have performed. And so the idea is that you can then design this algorithm and take it live trading and run it on your brokerage account. Or if it's a good one, you can actually get it licensed by funds who are watching in the marketplace. Um so we we actually started as this um this sort of random collection of engineers all over the world that were uh doing the same thing. Everyone builds the same architecture, repeats the same problems. Um so we built an open source project around it called Lean. And this this open source project um was sort of five years of work from this global community of engineers building and maintaining this uh, this engine which runs the algorithmic analysis. Um, and so as a result, it's, it's a really cutting-edge algorithm analysis system that can support uh, all sorts of different asset classes and resolutions and uh, enables people to explore all sorts of different data types.
0: Cool. Um, so, uh, Sorry. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, we've
1: Built this open source platform and we, we plug it into the website and then mm-hmm. our focus is on really enabling those users we, we give them the website and the community and they build and they explore and yeah that's what connect does
0: so what is your background are you are you do you have a financial background or uh, do you come from the technology side
1: no i, I have actually studied biomedical engineering and mm-hmm. then um Worked in technology in New Zealand and consulting and R&D. And then uh, in New Zealand, they have we have a thing called Overseas Experience, OE. I left New Zealand when I was like 24 and um, I wore a backpack <laughs> and I haven't, haven't been back. But um, yeah, and then I did some humanitarian work and was actually spending a lot of my downtime uh, trading. And as an engineer, I was like, hey, I should automate some of this trading. And that's really how the whole thing started. Um, I built my own platform. I started running algorithms for a few years and um, and that eventually morphed into QuantConnect. Mm -hmm.
0: That's awesome. So I'd love to dig a little bit into um, some of the use cases when it comes to QuantConnect, uh, when it comes to the cloud. So, you know, when I think Um, Algorithmic trading, I think lots of data, probably pretty high uh, CPU usage, something that's an intensive workload. Um, And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you sort of enabled that. Um, I know you mentioned, I think it's mentioned on your uh, Google Cloud case study that you're on Kubernetes, you're on Google Kubernetes engine. Um, How did you get to that point? Is that something you had in mind from the beginning or is that something that sort of changed as time went along?
1: No, we absolutely didn't have it in mind from the beginning. Um, we, sorry, sorry,
0: when did connect start? Uh, was she... We
1: started uh, 2012.
0: Okay, so sorry. Kubernetes was, did not exist.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. No, we were running everything on a single LAMP server mm-hmm. uh, 2012, and um, everything was this monolithic um, LAMP stack, and mm-hmm. yeah, no, there, there was nothing. And then... Um, that was actually in AWS. I think okay. AWS was around back then, and we started in AWS and as a bootstrap startup, the um, the the bills were too high at the time. We, we took some of the AWS startup grants, and we were running on those for a while. And um, so we moved um, to DigitalOcean, and then. Um, all, all over the place that I'll get into in a little bit, but it's uh, it's basically like what you said, it's a very CPU intensive operation and very um, data intensive. So a lot of our um, migration and evolution of our stack became this drive, um, between we want to offer the fastest backtesting and analysis possible, but we also have to try and do it at a relatively low cost because we were bootstrapping and starting up. So um, yeah, from AWS, we actually um, closed everything up and moved to DigitalOcean in 2013. And we are running um, the web stack and um, our trading and analysis stack all in DigitalOcean. so in our in our architecture we actually we kind of broadly have three different technology stacks which have very very different demands and we almost um try and solve them separately so um the the first one is kind of like the 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 typical web uh technology stack so it's (laughs) you know we're hosting websites we're serving users data and that's really what drives the the algorithm environment it's an online ID, just like Visual Studio or PyCharm or whatever you're used to coding in. We've built our own version online. It's got files, systems, folders. You can, you know, it's got autocomplete and debugging, and you can make, this is where you sort of design your algorithms. Um, and the workloads are very sort of Kubernetes friendly kind of workloads. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, the other stack, which is uh, backtesting. And so that's running terabytes or gigabytes to terabytes of financial data as fast as humanly possible. Like Just (laughs) throw it into this engine and crunch it as fast as possible. And a lot of that's bound um, by CPU and RAM. So you just hit CPU and RAM bottlenecks and the engineering team, um, we run into interesting problems like we can't string concatenate fast enough <laughs> just concatenating <laughs> strings. So it's like, uh, the Ram speed is not fast enough. So if you know, if we use a different string concatenation technique, we can make the process 20% faster. <laughs> it's just like these micro optimizations that are running at the bottleneck of Ram, um, and CPU. And then the, the last one is live trading. So, uh, Live trading is when we take a user's algorithm and we're running it for days, weeks, months at a time. And it's, it's a long lived process. It's a single process. The user's algorithm runs without stopping for months at a time. And it's a very, very sort of low CPU process. It's just analyzing the market data that comes in, in real time. So it uses a tiny, tiny fraction of the CPU, but it needs to be incredibly mm-hmm. stable for a very long period of time. So they're very different. And so we're, we're trying to figure out the best way to solve them.
0: Um, right. So is infrastructure different? So I, I imagine that for live trading, latency is a, utmost importance so are you running on different infrastructure or yeah so um latency is
1: actually mostly important in high frequency trading and a lot of people mix up uh algorithmic trading and high frequency Mm -hmm. trading so algorithmic trading is just generally if you have an idea about the way the world works and you can code it up you can make it into a trading algorithm or trading strategy um so in that case, you know, you might not actually be latency sensitive, if you can fill your trade within a minute, it's, it, it's probably fine for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that said, we always try to build the architecture so that we can support the intense cases. And so after um, um, we started in 2013 in DigitalOcean um, with the live trading algorithms, and we started to find back then the, the, um, the live migration technology does, didn't exist. So um, in the clouds these days, when a, a server needs rebooting, uh, they have this tech underneath the surface that migrates your VM from one physical server to another physical server. Um, and so that didn't exist back then. So uh, we actually decided to go colo so in our in a live trading environment, we actually bought servers and installed rack servers, and, and actually have you know uh, our live environment in New York hosted, you know, right near the exchanges, so they can be low latency and incredibly stable. Um, we it's a it's a fun paradox for us as a <laughs> as a cloud company to be maintaining and buying servers, but. Um, Yeah, we found that at the moment, it's been the best and the most stable that we could do.
0: And are you using Kubernetes for your on-premise environment?
1: So the Kubernetes is much more suited for for the uh, web workloads. So, Mm. you know, it's workloads on the order of a second or 10 seconds sort of thing. Um, It's not really, it wouldn't be able to run the other workloads. um, In my experience, anyway, I might be wrong, but... um, from the way that we're using it,
0: it's perfectly suited for the web tech. Gotcha. So you have a very different stack running the, um, not only the live trading environment, but also the back testing? Right,
1: yeah, so exactly. So the um, the the kind of three totally different stacks, and um, over time we, we evolved and, and moved to the different cloud providers that suited as best at the time. And um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating how the the providers are, are getting better. They, they're mm-hmm. becoming uh, very feature rich and very feature dense. And um, we always find, though, that we hit the limits. That's one one beautiful thing about the, the kind of workloads that the company is doing is that we're always hitting the limit of whatever cloud provider we're in. Um, like for example we we adopted google spanner the other day it's Mm a massively scalable real-time database in um google cloud and um within a week we we found a bug in the api and (laughs) we're reporting (laughs) reporting bugs to google in their api and um they, they 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 gotten better and better, but um, it's always fascinating. We're always hitting these limits of RAM, CPU, API bugs or um, because the workloads are so intense.
0: Right. And uh, would you say that your company is, uh, like, do you have uh, any major investments in, like, open source technologies other than Kubernetes or anything in the cloud native arena?
1: Yeah, we, we in order to make it easy to use our platform, we really... Um, we maintain a, a Docker image that allows mm. the, the community to just pull down this Docker image and run our open source project in it. So um, one of our key uh, promises to the users is that uh, the open source platform is here and, and, and it's here to stay and it's maintainable and it's uh, independent. So if, if you don't want to run your algorithms in QuantConnect, which is fine, People can just go and um, pull down the Docker container and run it in their own image, um, and so the sort of Docker gives them that freedom that it's not going to take, you know, mm-hmm. a, a mess a massive amount of work for them to do that. Right.
0: I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, and I know to some extent, uh, whatever extent you would like to talk about, um, how you are handling these massive CPU and um, data requirements on the algorithmic side yeah it's a challenge Um,
1: and especially uh, the the workloads are very variable so when the user user user. right right when the user submits an analysis we don't really know uh, when the job comes in what it's going to be Um, and so some people are running you know 10 second back tests which will be over and, and use light daily data, and other users might be doing sort of second-by-second second resolution data on thousands of symbols. Um, you know, possibly running machine learning libraries on that data, and so it can take you know anywhere from six to, to twelve hours to run these simulations. Um, so we've we've built in um, this sort of uh, system where we can process these, these jobs, these back tests. And, and, um, we almost control it based on the user's, um, profile. So they can, uh, they can sign up and they're either like a free tier user, or if they've got a subscription, they can get upgraded to a different virtual machine. And so then we can deploy, um, in, in Amazon actually the, all of the back testing tiers in Amazon um, to um, sort of clusters of machines that are able to solve their problems um, by by tier of the community
0: um, just to be clear so, this is not running on kubernetes
1: no not okay. at all
0: yeah yeah we, we some of the,
1: the tech because kubernetes was brand new like five years ago, I don't know if we would do the same things today that mm. we did coming up, but it's also um, this balance between using the new thing sort of unstable tech versus something that's tried and true and, and is working. And so we kind of manage these risks as a company, like do we upgrade and try and install Kubernetes or should we try and, uh, you know, make, keep the status quo with our current stack? Um, Right. So, it's kind of where we are. At the moment, it's all reasonably stable and um, serves people's needs. So, our, our going forward, we're looking into, for example, um, a process called optimization. So, uh, currently, our workloads are more or less um, single digit analysis, like one, two, three, four uh, simulations per user. So you know, a user could spin up a handful of, of simulations to run in parallel. But there's this concept in, in finance called parameter optimization, where you can sort of spin up thousands of these analysis back tests and um, try and find the best combination of parameters. And uh, the, the workload is an order of magnitude greater Um, than where we are now. So Mm -hmm. we're looking into sort of the best way that we can architect that that sort of solution. And um, yeah, who knows where we'll be in six months, but
0: yeah. Right. I think that's a good segue. And you, I think you sort of already uh, answered this, but what do you see there coming down the pipe, either, you know, in your uh, particular industry or in enabling technologies for your industry that you see either changing the game or at least making it easier to do some of these uh, tasks? Is there something, you know, is there a next evolution of um, capability from public cloud providers that will really help? Is there open source? Um, is there anything you have your eye on in that regard?
1: Yeah, that's a tough question. There is a lot of innovation going on with the cloud providers, but all of it's so new. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the cloud providers sort of deprecate things pretty quickly. So I'm not really in a rush to adopt some of those right. brand new uh, features that they're launching. And a lot of it seems to only apply to uh, the the 80% of the market workload. So the vast majority of consumers only need to do um, sort of consumer web workloads. Right. Um, and our workloads are fairly distinct. So, um yeah we're keeping an eye on them like functional functional um servers and stuff like that which might sort of reduce our maintenance and um reduce the the need to really think about the server level which would be nice but um at the same time it's i i remember a stack overflow um engineering log i don't know if you've read it but there was a, a blog by Stack Overflow, it was like 2017, and um, the entire of Stack Overflow is running on like 10 bare metal servers sitting in their office. <laughs> it's like uh, just super powerful servers, but there's no cloud, there's no fancy right. like cluster on it. It's just a simple stack running with really fast CPUs and a lot of RAM, and that's it. And um, you know, if you can serve 60 million people <laughs> with some service yeah. in your office, then yeah, I mean, maybe all of this is, uh, a distraction from, you know, the, the actual engineering and we should be just focusing on, you know, building a great service for customers. And, um, for us personally, I see, um, we have a, a relatively new project that we call Alpha Streams, and so this is a way for the community to get their algorithms licensed by funds, mm-hmm. and and so we have uh, the community submitting these algorithms into QuantConnect Connect, and then we need to run them live for effort. And it's a sort of compounding infinite problem where we can be hosting millions and millions of algorithms being fed live data all the time. And it's a very daunting engineering challenge um, because you also want to get the infinite stability. You can't have downtime, you need perfect uh, signal generation from these algorithms for the Mm -hmm. institutions that are going to license them. But at the same time, we need to somehow host just thousands of these algorithms that are, that are coming into to be um, to be licensed. So it's a an interesting challenge, and um, it, it's probably going to be uh, you know something uh, where we can maintain it and scale it. And you know you see a lot of that in Docker and Kubernetes and um, uh, a lot of these sort of emerging cluster management solutions, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so we'll see we'll see where it goes
0: awesome okay last question so I always like to ask my guests what they are personally most excited about in technology as a whole you know not talking about any specific industry Um, it doesn't even have to be computer based but you know you have a obviously a very diverse background so I'd love to hear from you what you are most excited about in the next two to five years
1: You do. Don't ask easy questions, do you? (laughs) (laughs) There is so much going on in the world. It's awesome. Um, So uh, this is going to be so cliche, probably. (laughs) Go for it. it. So machine learning has hit this consumerization phase it was kind of like an academic thing in the 80s and 90s. And now it's hitting this phase where it's even plugged into these cloud providers and anyone can tap into it. And data is so cheap that you know you can host data very easily and they build it so that you can uh, access all of your data, say in S3 with machine learning libraries that are all inside Amazon. And I think this consumerization um, of it makes it, it sort of unlocks it to a much, mm-hmm. much wider variety of businesses and people. And so it's, it's going to be fascinating to see where that goes. It's kind of like, I see it is almost the consumerization of computers all of a sudden computers were around and people were able to buy and afford computers and use them in their businesses. Um, So probably, you know, the next, I wouldn't say the next year, but the next five years in in machine learning and and how that's going to affect the industry. And um, you already see it, this explosion of graduates who Mm -hmm. when they apply for a job, they submit a machine learning algorithm, you know? So you wouldn't have seen that five years ago. So that's really cool to see.
0: Awesome. Some great insights there. Well, thank you so much. It was great talking to you.
1: Thank you, Alex. You too. Thanks for having me.